Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. The 2024 election is upon us, and now is the time to fight back against the war on masculinity in American society today. Thankfully, the patriots at Chalk, C-H-O-Q, are here to help real American men maximize their masculinity by boosting testosterone levels up to 20% over 90 days. I've been taking a male vitality stack from Chalk for like three years now. It is incredible. They are here to help make American men strong again. Testosterone testosterone fueled again maximize your masculinity today at choq.com use the code jesse for a massive discount on any chalk subscription for life choq.com code jesse limited time offer subscription cancelable at any time who is there for heroes or the families left behind when a service member or first responder dies or is catastrophically injured in the line of duty? Who helps our country's homeless veterans? And who helps our nation to never forget 9-11? Let me tell you who. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation. The Foundation's Gold Star, Fallen First Responder, Smart Home, and Homeless Veteran Programs comprise their In the Line of Duty programs. They're all dedicated to honoring our nation's heroes and their families. Over 80 walks, runs, and climbs a year, dozens of golf outings, and the Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute is educating kids in kindergarten through 12th grade to help our nation keep its vow to never forget. More than 95 cents of every dollar you donate to Tunnel to Towers goes to its programs. Never forget the sacrifices of our country's greatest heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. Are you being influenced? If you watched a blockbuster film in the last decade, then there's a chance it's been influenced by the Chinese Communist Party. Here's the reality. The CCP may be running the largest influence campaign in history. In Hollywood Takeover, brought to you by the Epic Times, investigative reporter Tiffany Meyer reveals how the CCP exerts control over some major studios. Don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. For a limited time, watch the first 10 minutes for free at hollywoodtakeover.com slash jesse. On the Jordan Harbinger Show, you'll hear amazing stories from people that have lived them, from spies to CEOs, even an undercover agent who infiltrated the Gambino crime family. You're about to hear a preview of the Jordan Harbinger Show with Jack Garcia, who did just that. My career was 24 out of 26 years, was solely dedicated working on the cover. I walk in, I'm in the bar. Now there's a barmaid there, good looking young lady. She served me drink. Hey, what would you like? I usually my drink was give me a kettle, one martini, three olives, glass of water on the side. I finish the drink. The guys come in. I'm gonna go. 
go in my pocket, take out the big wad of money. Bam, I give her $100. If you're with the mob, I say, hey, Jordan, you're on record with us. That means we protect you. Nobody could shake you down. We could shake you down, but you're on record with us. For more on how Jack became so trusted in the highest levels of the Gambino organization, check out episode 392 of The Jordan Harbinger Show. This is The Jesse Kelly Show. Oh, today we are talking about one of, if not my favorite subjects in history. In a moment. First, I want you to imagine something. You love your wife or husband, depending on who you are. You love your spouse. You love them a lot. Your spouse, however, is a hardcore drug dealer. I mean, on a massive scale, cocaine. Your spouse sells a lot of cocaine. Kilos of it. Other than that, great parent, great partner, great friend, great spouse, but sells a lot of cocaine. Okay? Now, in our imaginary scenario here, there are no police, so that's not an option. You and your cocaine-selling spouse move into an absolutely wonderful, wonderful little neighborhood. You know, white picket fence, everybody gets along, beers and cornhole on the weekend, big 4th of July celebration, everybody gets along It is a wonderful neighborhood. And you you love your neighbors. You love your neighborhood. You don't want to leave. Your neighbors love you guys, but there's a major, major problem. Your neighbors, understandably, do not like it that your spouse sells drugs. They really don't like it. It's a major problem. That's how you guys earn a living. You don't have another job. That's how you earn a living. You shouldn't earn your living that way, obviously, but that is how you earn your living. It's how you pay for that mortgage. It's how you live in the neighborhood. Your neighbors begin to get a little bit more forceful about it. Understandably so. Um, Okay, we really don't want you to sell drugs anymore. Could you stop selling drugs? You, I mean, you kind of know that your spouse selling drugs is wrong, but still, that's how you pay your bills. It's, no, we're not going to stop selling drugs. We, we can't. Your neighbors get angrier about it and angrier about it and angrier about it. And remember, they can't call the police. Finally, one day... Your neighbors have had enough. They band together and they march towards your house with weapons in their hands. And they say, we are coming into your house 
We are removing all your drugs. Not going to have any more. And we're coming in by force and we're removing your spouse with the drugs. What do you do? What do you do? Are you going to tell me you're going to arm up and sit there and defend a drug dealer? Or, on the other hand, are you going to tell me you're going to go grab your spouse, the person you love, and throw them to the neighbors? What are you going to do? And don't don't tell me, well, I don't like these choices. Sometimes that's life. That's your only two choices. Which brings us to what we're talking about today briefly. Won't go on forever today. The Civil War. We, as I always tell you, you and I, we both do this. I'm just as guilty as you are. It's human nature. We simplify things we don't care about that much. We simplify everything around us in order to make it more palatable to us, especially people we don't like. You know, neighbor kid gets caught smoking weed. (laughs) I always knew it was a dirt ball. Dirt ball. Called it. Always looked like a scumbag. Your kid gets caught smoking weed. Oh, he had a slight error in judgment. He's a good kid. You don't know. It's, he's way more than just a pot smoker. Neighbor kid gets simplified. Your kid, ah, it's complicated. Because of our anti-American, pathetic education system in the United States of America, so many people today... And I don't mean idiots. I don't mean somebody, you know, who who dropped out of school in the third grade. I'm talking people with Ivy League degrees, CEOs, senators. This is what they know about the Civil War. North good, south bad. That's the extent of what they know. North good, south bad. Everybody fighting for the North was an angel descended directly from heaven to fight for the cause of righteousness, led by our second Lord and Savior, St. Abraham Lincoln. Everybody fighting for the South was a demon with blood-dripping fangs who owned 20 slaves, descended directly from Satan, who oftentimes led them into battle. They were all Nazis. You know exactly what I'm talking about. You see it everywhere. And let me tell you something, and I don't care how much this offends you. As you probably know, I geek out on history. It's what I obsess with. So therefore, that's what I bring to you. And 
I way geek out on the military aspects of it and wars and conflicts and countries. I love that stuff. With the exception of Nazi Germany, which was, it was just everything about it was evil, was based on evil. Virtually every other conflict I've ever looked at, once you dig into it, past an inch deep, it goes from being good versus evil to, well, it's complicated. I'm not kidding. It's, it's very funny. Throughout history, I've looked at all of them, with the exception of the Nazi regime. And they wouldn't have been evil had they not been based at all on some absurd racial thing that, you know, let's murder all the Jews. But with the exception of that, complicated. Yo, you could pick sides you like more than the others. I certainly do. It's complicated. We talk a lot about, but well, you know, let's stay on the same conflict. Japan. Who likes Japan from World War II? Virtually nobody, right? Japan, bad. America, good. Japan committed all these horrific atrocities. All that's 100% true. You're right. Japan was awful. Horrific atrocities. We are talking throw babies in the air and catch them on your bayonet atrocities. Japan did things in World War II that I, me, you know all the dark stuff I'll bring to you on this show, I will not say on the air. They did things like that in World War II. Have you ever burned someone alive? Your country did. Hang on a second. You need to start guarding your financial future a lot more closely than you probably currently are. I will admit to you, I have been lazy about that myself, or at least I had been. Ah, it's fine. It's stocks and bonds. I'm sure my IRA is fine, 401k. Well, why do I need to worry about it? It's, it's all ticking up, right? We got Trump. We're fine. People, we're $26 trillion in debt. We have a $4 trillion deficit. They're talking about spending at least another $3 trillion this year while America is burning and the economy still stinks. Financial futures are going to be ruined. Get a precious metals IRA from Birch Gold. Birch Gold has an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau for a reason. Go to birchgold.com slash jesse. That is B-I-R-C-H gold.com slash jesse. Jesse Kelly. Back soon. Again, I don't want to go off on a World War II tangent. And as you probably know by now, I'm not anti-America. But again, good versus evil, that's a myth. 
Japan committed atrocities. You probably haven't burned anyone alive. Chris told me that during the break. I'm guessing the answers to that are basically zero. But I want you to imagine for a moment what that sounds like. Not to bring up bad memories. It brings them up for me. For those of you who've been in combat, what do you think that smells like? Now, let me ask you. Did you know we burned 100,000 men, women, and children to death in Tokyo, in Japan? We napalmed Tokyo. Do you know what napalm is? We didn't carpet bomb it. We didn't atom bomb it where you're gone in a flash of a second. We napalmed Tokyo. Napalm is thick, flammable jelly. It does not explode It burns. We dropped napalm on the capital of Japan and burnt to death 100,000 people, men, women, children. I am not in any way indicting us for it either. Totally the right move given the conditions of it. But again, do you see what I'm talking about? Good versus evil. Right side, wrong side. Complicated, right? Bringing us back to the Civil War. You see, the truth is this. The world at this time was much more open about their racism than they are today. When I say open about it, that's exactly what I mean. People are just as racist today as they were in the 1860s percentage-wise. I guarantee it. Nobody will admit it today because if you were to come out and admit that, oh, I don't like black people, if you were to say something like that, your career's over. Your career's over. Your wife will probably leave you. You'll be shunned from society. Shoot, your family members will probably get fired. They felt very free to say such things back then. And let's be real clear about something. There were some wonderful non-racist people that worked back then, too. People who worked that underground railroad to free the slaves. Those people were heroes. Legends. I'm not trying to paint everybody in the corner as some racist jerk from the old ages. But it was pretty prevalent, and people were open about it. And let's be clear. The South... They supported slavery. That's why they seceded. There is no defense of that. There's no defense of slavery. And I'll tell you something I struggle with when I look at history. Would I have been a slave owner? Would you have been? Do you ever think about that? I do. I worry about that. Would I have had the moral courage to stand up and say this is wrong? It's easy to sit here in 2020 and say slavery is wrong. It would have been easy where slavery was illegal in the North back then to say slavery is wrong. What if you're born to a plantation family in the South back then? I mean, it's not as if you get to choose where you're born, who you're born to. Let's say you're born to a big plantation family in the South. Would you have had the moral fortitude to say slavery is wrong? You don't have to answer out loud because that won't be an honest answer anyway. Just ask yourself. I hope I would. I hope I would. 
I don't know. I hope I could look out at treating another human being like property and think that is wrong, no matter what my parents said, no matter what the tradition was. But how would I know? I don't know. I wonder if while Genghis Khan was murdering half cities of half a million people and cutting off everyone's head. I wonder if there were men within his army who thought this is wrong. Or I wonder if everybody was all, ah, this is what we do. The Civil War was complicated. Now, what we're talking about today is actually 1864. These are These are the ending years of the war. You see, the South, and there were people who will argue this, the South really never stood a chance, and it's not as if they didn't stand a chance for fighting reasons. Especially in the beginning, the South had all the great generals. All of them. And I don't know how that happened or why that happened, but some of the best generals in American history were the rebels in the South. There were just some studs down there. Stonewall Jackson, Robert E. Lee, Even Nathan Bedford Forrest, he is, by all accounts, a horrible human being. I'm almost positive, Chris can look this up, I'm almost positive Nathan Bedford Forrest started the KKK after the Civil War. I'm pretty sure he did. I forget his nickname. Look up his nickname, Chris. Nathan Bedford Forrest. I'm pretty sure he started the KKK. He wasn't, uh, you know, you can make this argument. Well, not that you can make the argument. It's just a fact. Most, the vast majority of people fighting in the Confederate Army were not slave owners. They were poor farmers. You don't know their views on racism or any of that other stuff. Uh, Nathan Bedford Forrest, uh, that's not the case. They called him the wizard in the saddle. Yeah. He hated black people, would slaughter black people anywhere he found them. Horrible, horrible human being. However, on the subject of generals, um, yeah, one of the greatest generals who ever lived. In the middle of our story here, you know what, I'll just go ahead and fast forward right to it because otherwise I'm going to go off about the Civil War all day. Here's where we are. I'll come back to Nathan Bedford for us in a second because there's a funny little thing about him. We had just won the North. I should, we. The North had just won in Chattanooga. Look, people, I'm allowed, I'm allowed to cheer for sides, okay? Just because I know the war's complicated, I'm still cheering for the abolition of slavery, for Pete's sake. So I just didn't mean to say we. The North wins in, in Chattanooga. They're marching south, and this is the time. This is 1864. This is the time where Grant decides... They're going to fight, and I quote, a war of exhaustion. Sherman gets all the credit for this. Sherman and and Grant were close, close, close friends, and they very well may have come up with it together, but it was really Grant who pushed this down to Sherman because Sherman was under Grant. And the thinking was simply this. The South was so weakened by this point Remember, what's what's that old saying that I stole from somebody and I don't know who? Amateurs study tactics. Professionals study logistics. At the beginning of the Civil War, the entire South had an economy that was a fraction, one-fifth the size of New York. The South had no economy, no chance to fight a long war. They just did not. They They didn't have the resources. 
And now, now that the South has made a push or two up into the North to try to fight them off, that's what the South believed in. The South was very much all about attacking. They did not like the defense, even though, to be frank, from the very, very, very beginning, that's probably what they should have done. Some offensive maneuvers, but you have to simply defend when you are logistically challenged that badly. But then how can you win that either? It's a siege. How many times have we talked about a siege? How long are you going to win a siege when you're out of supplies? But either way, we're at the point in the war where the war is not over. There will be lots and lots and lots of deaths still to come, but the war has been decided. It's hard to tell how the South can win here in 1864. Hang on. com. Go there right now while I'm speaking to you. Don't wait. Go there right now and put in your address. Register your address and make sure you're safe. Safe from what? Well, from home title theft. You know that's the big cyber crime out there, right? It's not all this, well, what if they steal my identity? Or what if they steal my credit card? The big cyber crime that's costing people fortunes, costing costing them their credit, costing thousands of dollars, is people going online where your home title is, jacking it, forging your signature on it, and then taking out a loan against it. You get stuck with the bill, they get the cash, and you are screwed. Unless you have HomeTitleLock.com. Go there right now, register your address. Don't forget to use the code JESSE when you get there. Gets you 30 days free. HomeTitleLock.com. Now, the situation is the North has an army, a nice army, 100,000 strong. They've just won in Chattanooga. Chattanooga was considered the gateway to the South. Now, people get confused. It's easy to get confused. I get confused when people talk. Well, why is something a gateway? Because you're looking at it on a map. You can pull up a Google map right now and see Chattanooga, Tennessee. Well, I don't understand why it's a gateway. There's all this other space to the left and right. Why not just go around? Well, remember, armies don't move like your fingertip does on Google Maps. Gateways are gateways for a reason. Strategically, probably a great way to pass either through mountains or over a river or both. Also, you and I are a little spoiled, very spoiled with something we don't realize we're spoiled with. You know what that thing is? Two huge things Americans are spoiled with, modern-day Americans are, that people in the past would never understand. One, you, anytime you're thirsty, can grab a glass, walk up to to the sink, any sink in your home or work, turn it on, and get relatively clean drinking water, unless you're in Flint, Michigan. That sounds so simple, you probably just threw up your hands like, well, yeah, 
you understand that that puts you in like the 99.99 percentile of people who've ever lived on the planet. Even today, across the world, today, thousands of people will die because they don't have access to clean drinking water as we speak right now. You and I do it without a second thought. I do it too all the time. I'm thirsty. I'll go get a glass of water. It's not like that everywhere. So that's one of the two things. The other two things, the other one of the two is roads. You and I are used to roads being everywhere, right? Think about all the roads right now between your work and your home. All of them. They're everywhere, right? Any, Any direction you could possibly go, there's a road, most likely a paved one. If it's not paved and you're out in the country, it's dang sure not terrible. Relatively smooth, even if it's gravel. Again, this is the 1860s. That is not the case. Now, they had roads. A decent amount of roads. Not roads an entire army can move through. Armies are not just a man on horseback and a man marching on foot. Armies are baggage train after baggage train after baggage train of places where these men have to sleep, of things these men have to eat, of bullets, of bandages. See what I mean? Food. Lots of it. So anyway, Chattanooga is the gateway to the South. See, this is why it takes so long for me to tell some of these sometimes, Chris. I get distracted. I'm sorry. I'm allowed to get distracted. It's my show. Screw you, Chris. Sorry. There's some tension in the office. We went in Chattanooga. We're marching south. And Grant's war of exhaustion now is harsh but necessary. And here was his war of exhaustion. He thought his army could live off the land. Sherman would lead this army. It was essentially Sherman leading an army group. There were three different armies there, but Sherman was in charge of it. And he thought they could live off the land. Now, why were they living off the land? It's not because the North or the Union. It's not because they were broke and didn't have anything left. The Union was obviously not doing wonderfully, but doing fine. The Union had plenty of everything. It was the Southerners who were starving. They wanted them to live off the land because they wanted to just drain the South of all their food supplies. They were going to wreck all the railroads as they went because rail was how everybody moved major, major things back and forth. Rail line was basically your your artery for your country. And so you enlist a man named William Tecumseh Sherman. Now, Sherman has pre- had previously been... See, most of these Civil War generals, and I do mean most of them, had fought in the Mexican-American War. We talked about the Mexican-American War before. You remember even Grant was a young lieutenant then. That's These guys came up together. They knew each other very, very well. Many of these guys had served together for a long time, had been to West Point together, classmates, childhood friends. The military circles in America were small, very, very small back then. There's more than one occasion. We'll get to it in a second, one of these occasions, where one general would defeat another or find out about the death of someone on the other side, and he would cry. Can you imagine that? Isn't that horrible and heartbreaking? 
But Sherman didn't actually fight in the Mexican-American War. He was just kind of a dude. And after that, he got out of the Army and actually went to, it wasn't called Louisiana State back then. You know, you think of Sherman as this northerner because he was born in what I think is Ohio, if I remember right. He headed a military academy at LSU. War breaks out. Sherman goes north, signs up. 100,000 men start marching down towards you know, the South. They decide they're going to live off the land, burn things down, starve these Southerners, and where they are heading is a place called Atlanta. Maybe you have heard of it. The Southerners only have about 80,000 men to the North's 100,000. That sounds more evenly matched than it is. The North not only has its 100,000, its 100,000 is being resupplied daily now, bullets, bandages, food, The Southerners are at the point, their economy, this war's gone on long enough, they're starving. Not in a good way. A man named Johnson is put in charge of the South. And what he does is something, well, it's not something we testosterone types will love. Sometimes it's something you have to do. Johnson decides... He's going to make them earn every inch, every single inch. And he starts to, he'll dig in someplace and make the North fight him. And the North, you know, you wanted to be on the defense, not the offense in most conflicts because it's hard to fight against somebody's trenches and breastworks and things. So he decides he's going to make the North earn every inch, and he never, ever attacks. He just tactically retreats and tactically retreats and tactically retreats. But here's the issue. If you're Johnson, General Johnson, for the Confederates, that is not how Southerners viewed war as, you know, that's not how you should fight one. You go on the attack. Part of the reason we know the Southern generals to be so great early in the Civil War was they were always on the attack. Aggressive. Keep him on his heels. Attack. Which is, in general, a wonderful combat strategy I totally, totally sign up for. However, once you get to a situation where you cannot replace the men, where you are starved of resources... You can't do that anymore. And what do we talk about all the time on the show? One of the hardest things to do is change momentum, change who you are. And so here's Johnson tactically retreating. Probably the smart thing. What else is he supposed to do? Charge the outnumbered, charge the force when he's outnumbered and can't replace his men? That's not realistic. But the South was what the South was, and the South was aggressive. And so Johnson got fired, and who did they replace him with? A man maybe you've heard of by the name of Hood. Hood, yes, that Hood, Fort Hood's named after him. Hood was missing a leg, and I don't mean missing a little bitty part of it. I mean missing it all the way up to his hip. When he rode a horse, they had to lift him into it and strap him into the thing. Hang on.
Is he smarter than everyone? Who knows? Does he think so? Yeah. The Jesse Kelly Show. Knocked out another good night's sleep last night because I still have an ebb sleep. A bad night's sleep ruins you. It ruins your next day. You know what it does? It makes you live your life every day of your life at half function. Do you want to live like that? With your mind half clear, with your body feeling half good, your eyes burning, foggy, short-tempered? That sucks. And I'm not telling this to you so I can you know, lecture you. I've been there. I have been there, and it sucks. And the contrast between how bad that's miserable and how wonderful it is when you start sleeping again is so stark. Join me. Go to tryeb.com slash jesse. That's tryebb.com slash jesse. Use the promo code jesse at checkout. Get 25 bucks off. So they strap old one-legged hood. I keep wanting to call him Ford Hood instead of General Hood. Shut up, Chris. Into his horse. And Hood is what the Southern, what the rebel forces want their generals to be. Aggressive. Attack at all times. Can't do that in your current situation. He starts trying to attack a bunch. He's a very capable man, mind you. But it's just not. Sherman's army is not going to be stopped at this point in time. Quick side note. Remember I said they all knew each other? Sherman had a man underneath him, one of his great, great officers named McPherson. McPherson gets in a big battle with Hood's guys where McPherson is mortally wounded and dies. Sherman, who is a hard man, finds out about this and openly weeps. Hood on the other side finds out about it and is devastated. They were childhood friends and roommates. Roommates. Again, isn't that the saddest thing in the world? To fight a contest like that, a war like that, against your buddies? I just... That conflict, man, is part of what drives me crazy today about the North Good, South Bad. Dude, that conflict is so important to America's history and complicated and heavy. It's so heavy. And Sherman, who I love, you know, William Tecumseh Sherman, who I love, he's got the best quotes in the world. Best quotes in the world. And, he, and he, he's a genius general, did really, really well. Uh, you know that he was a huge racist? I mean, y'all know that, right? Remember, North Good, South Bad, it's something a child says. That's, that's something a child says. William Tecumseh Sherman was actually given the option of creating a regiment of black troops 
and decided he didn't want it because he thought black people were inferior. Bet you didn't know that about your avenging angels from the north, did you? Did you know St. Abraham Lincoln openly told the South, not just once, for a long time, oh, you can keep your slaves, just come back into the Union. That's all I want. Bet you didn't know that, did you? You know that evil Nazi demon devil Robert E. Lee didn't have slaves? Again, I'm not saying Abraham Lincoln and Sherman were bad and Robert E. Lee was good. What am I telling you? The same thing I always tell you when it comes to these things. It's complicated. Sherman did have one of my favorite quotes ever. I do love Sherman. I love Sherman. This is one of my favorites. Quote, if I had my choice, I would kill every reporter in the world, but I am sure we would be, would be getting reports from hell before breakfast. <laughs> I love that guy. So they're marching towards Atlanta. Hood eventually retreats essentially into Atlanta. He's desperately outnumbered. Sherman surrounds Atlanta. Atlanta, by this point, knew this was coming. We're talking a city of 20,000 people. Originally, they're probably down to 4,000 at this point. Most of the people had evacuated. Again, the war had gone on so long, most of the young men in the South had already been essentially forced to be in the Army. The people who were left in Atlanta were women and children and slaves. There aren't many left. Sherman surrounds it. Drops 30,000 shells on the city. Imagine that. 30,000 shells. Finally, as you can imagine, Hood does beat a tactical retreat. Bails on Atlanta. Sherman wins Atlanta. Now, you know why this is so important? What's Abraham Lincoln's legacy If he doesn't free the slaves, let me ask you that. What is Abraham Lincoln's legacy if he doesn't free the slaves? Let's be frank about this. You can argue justified or not. The man arrested people, several without trial. He suspended the writ of habeas corpus. From a purely constitutional standpoint, Abraham Lincoln was a tyrant. A tyrant we forgive and forget about because he was the man in charge when the slaves were freed. Now, let me ask you again, what is Lincoln's legacy if he doesn't free those slaves? Because you realize unless Sherman takes Atlanta, Abraham Lincoln very likely never frees the slaves. Not because the North will lose the war. Oh, they're going to win the war but because Abraham Lincoln had an election right around the corner that he was going to lose. He himself thought he was going to lose it. Bet you didn't know that, did you?
Abraham Lincoln, the man who jailed people without trial but didn't free the slaves. That's a different legacy, isn't it? You see, there was dissension in the North. Abraham Lincoln, not necessarily that popular in his own party. Hang on a sec, I'll explain. Jesse Kelly Show. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. So... Lincoln at this time facing re-election in 1864 is facing a bit of an uphill battle. Remember, even the morning of the election, he wrote that he thought he was going to lose. Half the Republicans were mad at him because they didn't think he was hard enough on the South. Democrats were mad at him because, of course, they thought he was too hard on the South. Remember, those Confederate Nazi evil demons... They were all Democrats. That was the Democrat Party. So Lincoln was always juggling such things. And until the North got a big, big, big win in Atlanta, Lincoln very likely loses re-election, never frees the slaves. In fact, not that he came close. It was McClellan who ran against him. What if McClellan wins and the slaves don't get freed at all? What does America look like then? You want to talk about biggest elections ever. What does America look like then? Things in history, they tend to come down now and then to one battle here. One battle there, one huge mistake here, one big mistake there. But one thing is absolutely 1,000% true. It's complicated. It's always complicated. 
And the people who win these wars, the people who turn the tide of history, the people who change the direction of nations, it's never, ever, 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 ever the guy who just kind of wants a little of this and maybe some of that, and I'm not... (laughs) It's the guy who stands for something. That's the guy who matters. And you know what? And I know this is going to be unpopular. And like I said earlier, I hope to God I'm the type of person who would have had the moral compass the intestinal fortitude to stand against slavery. If I was somebody who was born in the South, maybe maybe even born to a slave-owning family, I hope I'm that type of person. But I'll say this. I admire the man who put on a Confederate uniform and grabbed a rifle and went and fought more than I admire any little puke tearing down his statue today. I do. I understand his cause was terrible. No defense of slavery. I understand it's a terrible cause. I still admire that man more. And that's all I have to say about that. Now, before we get into everything else, let's tackle the big news out here, Chris. Gigantic news out here. We live in a cage, the headline says. Residents hide as macaw gangs take over. Residents in Lotbury, Thailand are hiding behind barricaded indoor... People don't know how to write, apparently, for The Guardian. Either that or somebody really screwed up this sentence. Listen to this. Residents in Thailand, whatever, are hiding behind barricaded indoors. They're either hiding indoors or they're hiding behind barricaded doors, whatever. Are hiding behind barricaded indoors as rival monkey gang fights create no-go zones for humans. The ancient Thai city has been overrun by a growing population of monkeys supercharged on junk food as locals try to placate the macaque. I don't think it's macaws. I think it's macaques. Stop, Chris. Quit. Grow up. It's M-A-C-A-Q-U-E. Macaku? Macaque? We're just going to call it macaque. It's a macaque. Are you just saying that so I can say it on the air, Chris? Grow up. The monkeys usually enjoy a steady supply of bananas from tourists who have dwindled amid the coronavirus pandemic. So funny how, how things change. Pointing to the overhead netting covering her terrace. Oh, my gosh. Cool, cool Jira. Takawana, mana, wana, wana. Stop. You want? You know what, Chris? You want to come over here and spell it? Right, listen, this is how it's spelled, people. So you'd think I'm not just doing this. On, this is her last name. All right. Her last name is T A E C H A W A T T A N A W A N N A. I didn't make that up. You try to say that freaking last name on national radio. I went to community college. I told you, it's right there, Chris. Chris came over to look to make sure I wasn't waking it up or making it up. We live in a cage, but the monkeys live outside, she says. 
Their excrement is everywhere. I never even thought about all the absolute metric ton of poop. Think about all the poop. And don't don't monkeys throw poop? Chris, look that up. You need to look that up. I, I, I'm almost positive I've seen videos on this before. Monkeys throw poop. They do. So she says, their excrement is everywhere. The smell is unbearable, especially when it rains, she says from her home. The fearless primate's antics were largely tolerated Tolerated as a major lore for the tourist hordes. I love how they describe the tourists. The tourist hordes who descended on the city before the coronavirus outbreak to feed and snap selfies with the plucky animals. <laughs> what a great word, plucky. But the government's sterilization campaign is now being waged against the creatures after the epidemic proved an unexpected change in their behavior. As foreign tourism, Thailand's cash cow, seized up, so did the flow of free bananas tossed their way. Footage of hundreds of them brawling over food in the streets went viral on social media in March. Chris, can we find the video and put it up on our Twitter page of the monkeys brawl? I want to see a monkey brawl of the monkeys brawling in the streets. Their growing numbers doubled in three years to 6,000. You know what's really funny? And, and somebody says an abandoned cinema is the macaque headquarters. Stop. It's what they call the freaking monkeys. The macaque headquarters, a shop owner, so on and so forth. You know what's really funny? I've been to Thailand. And Thailand is a wild, wild place. You feel like you are in an Indiana Jones movie in Thailand. I'm not kidding. I've told you this story before. We were on this base, and every now and then we'd get liberty to go into town, you know, have a couple beers, watch some kickboxing, things like that. And they, you can get on the, it's called a bot bus. Bot is the Thai, it's the Thai uh, currency, or at least it was. Again, I'm saying it is, this is, jeez, I'm old. It's 15 years ago, 15, 16, 17 years ago I was there, but it was the Thai currency. I don't know if it still is. And when I say I don't know if it still is, I really mean that because they still have a thing for their king over there. There are statues up around him. It's like I said, it's primitive. It's they worship the guy. Like he's he's a borderline god to them. It's very odd. And you hop on the bot bus, and a bot bus is nothing more than like a 1960 tiny little beater pickup truck. And I mean one of the wee little ones. That somebody threw a couple makeshift benches in the back and put a covering on it. And you hop on and risk your life to get driven into town for for a couple beers and watching some kickboxing. Oh, shoot. Hang on a second. Your holster is way more important than you think it is. It's just way more important than you think it is. What Look, and I get that. The holster's not the sexy part of carrying firearms, right? You want to talk about your weapon and your ammunition. You, you want to talk about your safety training. You want to talk about how you did at the range. Oh, look at my groups. I was doing these failure drills today. And all that stuff's really important. I mean, really, really important. I'm not discounting that. But I've known so many people who do all those things. They take all the necessary steps, and then they carry with a holster they bought from a big box hunting store that was made a thousand at a time. Please, don't put your life in one of those holsters. 
you need to trust Northwest retention systems because it's all custom made gear. It's the only thing I carry around. NWRetention.com. That's NWRetention.com. Use the promo code JESSE. Get you 10% off. Who is there for heroes or the families left behind when a service member or first responder dies or is catastrophically injured in the line of duty? Who helps our country's homeless veterans? And who helps our nation to never forget 9-11? Let me tell you who. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation. The Foundation's Gold Star, Fallen First Responder, Smart Home, and Homeless Veteran Programs comprise their In the Line of Duty programs. They're all dedicated to honoring our nation's heroes and their families. Over 80 walks, runs, and climbs a year. Dozens of golf outings. And the Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute is educating kids in kindergarten through 12th grade to help our nation keep its vow to never forget. More than 95 cents of every dollar you donate to Tunnel to Towers goes to its programs. Never forget the sacrifices of our country's greatest heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. Hollywood is under siege from external forces. The same Hollywood that sold the American dream is now making nightmares a reality. Many major films make choices to appease the Chinese Communist Party to be distributed in China. Join Tiffany Meyer, an investigative reporter in Hollywood Takeover. Brought to you by the Epic Times, where she reveals how the CCP exerts control over some major studios. Don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. For a limited time, watch the first 10 minutes for free at hollywoodtakeover.com slash jesse. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.